and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alone. It's a feeling we've all had. We've, we've all alone. By comparison. And you felt alone. Maybe you were just sitting in your house You felt alone. And even as a church, how often have we found ourselves thinking, where and it feels like of anti-Christianity. And it means you feel alone. Maybe you feel alone together. You feel alone as a Christian. You feel alone as a church. It can feel very isolating. And it can make you feel very much alone. But have you ever really looked at it? Have you ever really asked Church, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, 1.8 million. That's not very alone. Might feel alone, but it's not very alone. What if you even pull back just a little? So out of 205 million, that's over 100 million that would still truly be Christians. Even if we're cutting a whole 50% off. Even if you want 25%, that's 50 million, over 50 million. That still doesn't feel very alone. What if you back up? billion people, that's with a B, 2.2 billion people claim that they are Christians. Now again,
Even if you cut that in half, that's 1.1 billion people. Even if you put it in a quarter, 25% is over 500 million people. That's not very alone. But yet, at times, whether we all... We experience it. It can certainly feel very, very alone. And to some degree, that... So the story. With a lot. North Central, if you will. It's kind of like the northern end of central uh, Israel up there. And it's called Mount Carmel. And that's what Israel. But trust me, read it in the actual Bible. If you've only ever read this in Sunday school, I challenge every single person here, go to the Bible. It's a much better story in the Bible than your Sunday school teacher ever gave credit to. He challenged... if you will. He asked him if he's going to Elijah's turn. And he takes, he gets his altar all ready. He dumps water all And then he says a single prayer. Just a single prayer. No dancing, no cutting, no anything else. A single prayer. And fire comes down. Instead, the queen finds out, Queen Jezebel, and she threatens Elijah's life. And Elijah Nothing changed. They're all still worshiping Baal. They're all still worshiping false gods. Nothing has changed. And Elijah runs for his life. And when I say he runs for his life, I mean he runs for his life. He goes all 
get that. And he leaves his servant in that town, Beersheba. And then he keeps going south. He runs for his life. Two countries ought to do it. They ought to put a buffer between him and Queen Jezebel. He runs. He's ashamed of himself. He's ashamed of himself for fearing. He's ashamed of himself for running. But he runs because he fears for his life and he feels alone. He feels like he is the only one left. He feels like he is the only one who is praising God. Because you see, with the prophets of anything else about God Almighty, but just Elijah. And so that's where Elijah is. That's where he is when our story picks up today. And God But God's in none of those things. But then Elijah hears a little whisper, a small voice. Sometimes we call it a still small voice. And Elijah realizes that God is in the voice and he is shaken to his core. And you see, there's a lesson in there. There's a lesson in there for Elijah, but there's also a lesson in there for us as well. All too often, we are humans. We get caught up in these great, massive things. Trust me, I I was just over in Europe, right? We were just talking about this. I was over in Europe and I go into these these massive, Some of the beautiful, beautiful places that you can ever possibly imagine. And they are great pieces. People took their lives and spent them to create these masterpieces of art to show the glory and the almightiness of God. Or maybe putting it into the American context, sometimes we look at these great massive mega churches with all And it can really be hard to work our minds around that. Because we see the great But that's the lesson for today. Those people that did those great and wonderful art projects, they did it to the glory of God. The Lord be praised. And those churches that can attract all those great and wonderful people if they keep to God's word and they proclaim the gospel correctly, then glory be to them. It's great. But God promises to work not in the big things, but in the very small things. When a little child comes up and a little bit of water is, is sprinkled on their head and words are spoken. God is there. He is present. He sends His Spirit. He works in it. It might not look like much. It might not seem... is at work there. His hand is in that. He sends His Spirit. And here in just a little bit, we're going to come forward and we're going to receive a a little piece of bread and a little bit of wine. And let's all be honest. Can we all be honest? It's not very good bread. It's it's basically smashed flour and and it's cooked. And it's not very good. It's not very tasty. Nobody walks away from communion going, boy, 
Our boy, that's the best. Wine. So maybe, maybe there is somebody who does just love that wine. But the reality is, is that it's in a small thing, but yet God is there. Right there. real presence, his true body and blood given and shed for you, in, with, and under the bread and wine, as we like to say. It seems so small, and it might seem so insignificant, but it is there in that we receive Christ's true body and blood, the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of our faith. God is at work there. And he doesn't need a big building. He doesn't need thousands and thousands of people. He is there at work for you. He's there for you. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's not. But God is there, especially in the small things. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we now continue, uh, continue our service by confessing our common